You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generation come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, and then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, and the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. I said to myself, look, I'm wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. May the Lord bless us with understanding as we yes. dig a little deeper into this passage this morning. You can be seated this morning. And if you have a Bible with you and you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at this, this, this passage a little bit deeper, and we'll read it again in just a moment, uh, getting into it. But first... I was thinking a lot about the beach this week, mainly because when there's a hurricane, I remember the years we lived in South Florida and went through several of those. And I was thinking about this passage of scripture, and then that got, to me, got me thinking about building sandcastles. Now, just a bit of a picture up here if you got it, Chris. Okay, so we didn't get the picture of the sandcastles up. All right, this is all supposed to just every week. There's one thing somewhere that didn't happen right, but that's okay. Imagine a sandcastle if you can. A really not super fancy one, but one that a father and his like seven-year-old son really worked hard to build, and they're proud of. That's what is a picture of. From about, I don't know, 15 years ago, when that young man, who's actually a really tall guy now, was about seven years old, and we lived by the ocean, and we went, and we made sandcastles all the time. And one of the things about building sandcastles is, you know when you build a sandcastle, it's going to get knocked over, right? I mean, if you build it, usually usually it's either going to be because you build it too close to the, the edge of the water or, you know, high tide's going to come, and you know the water's going to wash it away, or on a really windy day and the sand dries, the, the wind will even blow it away. Sometimes people will just walk right through there and walk through your sandcastle, especially after you're gone. <laughs> We've had people, though, who would walk while we're building a sandcastle, they would walk right through it, like totally oblivious. Like, instead, and like, dude, you know, my seven-year-old kid's gonna cry. You stepped in a sandcastle. So, so here's the thing: we still built the sandcastles, knowing they're gonna get knocked over. What would you do? I mean, would you, knowing that that sandcastle is going to get d- just taken down, would you still build it? Yeah, I think most of us would, right? We most of us say, yeah, well, yeah. Why? Why would we? Stay and build a sandcastle knowing it's going to fall. It's fun. fun. Absolutely, it's fun. Good. For a couple of seconds, you can say, like, I worked on this, so I did something. For at least a couple of seconds, you got a sense of accomplishment, right? Mm -hmm. I worked on this. If you did what I did, and you didn't see it today because we didn't get the picture on the screen, but, but you can take pictures and you can save that moment. 
Like I can go back now, I have several of these pictures of these not super fancy, but sandcastles that Christian and I built when he was a small child. And I can still go to those pictures and look at them now and go, wow, that was a great moment. And I can still, I won't get stuck in that, but I can still celebrate that, that time and that moment. It's not gone forever, even though this, that particular sandcastle is. That's great. Any other reasons why you might just go ahead and build it anyway? Yeah, it's fun. It's a sense of accomplishment. Okay, well, let's kind of shift the gears into this one. Are you more of an optimist? Maybe this sandcastle will make it. Or are you more of a pessimist? Every sandcastle gets destroyed, doesn't matter. We're, we're now, taking sandcastles aside, are you more of an optimist or a pessimist in this world? In fact, this, this is work. Optimist, raise your hands. If you're like, it'll probably all work out. Pessimist, uh, if it works out, it'll be a miracle. That's okay. We're kind of half and half in the room. That's pretty good. You guys watching online, man, vote too. But go ahead and make a comment right now. If you're more of an optimist or pessimist, leave us a comment and we'll pray for you. Um, especially if you're really pessimistic, let us know so we can lift you up. Um, so I read this book last year. It's called Didn't See It Coming. And I want to give credit where it's due. Um, I read this book. It really kind of rocked my world. And the book is about uh, some of the greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. And so when I read this book by an author and pastor named Carrie Newhoff, um, it really challenged me in a lot of areas of my life because I was like, yes, I see this in my life. I see this, and I didn't see it coming, and I, I'm experiencing this. And so every fall, we have a little leadership team that does a retreat, and we actually kind of do uh, some prayer, fasting, and then we, we kind of put together an, a, what a preaching series uh, for the whole next year might look like. And everybody brings like ideas, and we read scripture, and we pray, and we ask, ask God to lead us and what he would have us to do. And I told him, I read this book, and I really feel like it would be a great sermon series to kind of hit some of these things that nobody sees coming. And yet it seems like, from my experience, everybody seems to experience these things. And we, we prayed, and we voted, and, and the whole leadership team was like, let's do this as a series. So we finally get here. It's like a year later now. Like, we're, we're here. And today's week one of this series, Didn't See It Coming. And the themes for this, um, we're going to take from, from the book. We're going to take scripture. We're going to base everything on our scripture. And it's a little bit of the content will come from the books, and a lot of the content will come from scripture and from understanding that scripture in our current day and our current life that we live in. Um, and so to say all that is just say we want to give credit where it's due. The idea came from this book uh, by Kerry Newhoff, a pastor up in Canada. So we're starting today with cynicism, this idea of being cynical. And how can you, how do you wind up, or how we do seem to wind up, my experience is I'm a very optimistic person. I'm a very uh, positive person. But when I began to realize what cynicism was, I realized, man, I didn't see it coming. And I can be pretty cynical. Uh, sometimes, and quite, quite often I can be. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper into being cynical and looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 uh, as kind of our, our foundation for that. So here's the big idea for our time together this morning. Every heart, no matter how broken, can learn to trust again, can learn to hope again, and can learn to love again. We want to build on that. Every heart, no matter how broken, can learn to trust again, hope again, and love again. So the first place I want to camp out is this idea that no one, nobody really sets out to be cynical. No one starts off with the idea, I want to be a cynical person. I want to be, I want to just think that everybody is like a certain way. It, I didn't start out to be cynical, and I kind of looked at where a lot of my cynicism came in. Was, and one way was through some different relationships. And as a pastor, I began to really invest in people. I was a youth pastor 10 years in a couple of different churches, and, and, and I 
could see myself growing cynical because you spend a lot of invest a lot of time and energy and prayer into some people and they eventually don't get it. <laughs> and then as a pastor, it can be you can become cynical really easy. And then for eight years before we came to Natchitoches to plant Awaken Church, I pastored a church in Arkansas. When I pastored a church in Arkansas, one of my big things was was uh, investing in, in other leaders and trying to try to really invest myself in them so that they could be leaders in different areas of ministry in the community. And it was really kind of happening pretty good. And then this this gentleman named Paul started coming to our church, and I had met Paul. I liked him. Um, he was still a new Christian. He'd been Christian about a year. He got saved under another pastor at another church, and they had some kind of issue. And that pastor was my friend, and I went and asked him and said, so Paul started coming to our church, and I know that he actually got, got saved, and you went, actually went to the hospital and prayed with him when he was really sick, and, and he's been at your church. And he's like, hey, man, if he wants to, if, if he wants to come over there, I have no problem with that. So being, being love on him, and he's loved on, loved on, love on him. So I didn't really know what all the issue was at that time. So I started investing in Paul. He was so awesome this guy and he was full of life and energy and just he was just kind of he looked really rough on the outside but he was kind of like a teddy bear when you got to know him he was really a really cool guy and he was pretty popular in that area too I mean he was a well-known probably you would call him a celebrity in in the small town that we lived in in Arkansas and Paul just started asking these questions and he really, I started investing in him as a leader and spending time with him and giving extra, extra attention to like lifting up Paul. So he asked me one day, what do I have to do to get ordained to be a, a, a pastor in, in, this, in this group, this tribe, that we're, this, this network of churches we're in? And I, so, so I told him what, it, what it's like, you know, the, the process, the prayer, the accountability, the, the study, <laughs> the classes, the things you have to do. And he's like, oh man, that's a lot. And they're like, and they're like a faster way to just get ordained and I was like, well, not really. And so when I had a conversation with the other pastor from the other church, that's actually why Paul had left there. He went to him after about a year with that same question. And there, this was actually a Lutheran church, and their process was way more strenuous and uh, in-depth and, and organized than ours was. And so he didn't want to do that, and he didn't want to do ours. So Paul ended up just going online filling out some paperwork and getting an ordination certificate as an ordained pastor, which I guess you can do. I didn't do it that way. I'm still paying mega student loans for seminary for, for, for my degree. <laughs> but, but he got this, this ordination certificate. And then Paul decided, and I didn't know this was happening, he started a new church. He wanted to start down in the downtown area of where we were, just calling it church where anybody can come. Sounds familiar. And I was like, we already have a church like that. It was like the church I'm pastoring. That's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we're doing. He's, so, but he started this, and I didn't know he started this. So he actually started by trying to get people from some different congregations to come help him to do a Friday night church. That way you can still go to your church on Sunday, but come help us on Friday. And he started by getting folks together and then telling him how bad other pastors in town were treating him, specifically me and two other pastors, his previous pastor, another one. And actually, I told some, some mis, mistruths and told some, some straight-up lies about me. I never would have known this. People started kind of disappearing on Sunday. And some leaders, and one, like, trusted me and loved me enough to come and ask me, did this happen? And that's when I found out about it, way after the fact. I didn't even know that they actually had planted this church. And I'm like... Uh, no, what in the world are you talking about? And so I actually had to go make a very un, uh, uh, you know, unfun conversation with Paul. And he's like, oh, it was a misunderstanding and all this. Only all the different people had the same story. He said, this, this, and this is what you had done, what you had said. And it was like, it hurt me big time. 
that he would go ahead and lie to try and discredit me, to, just to get people to leave, especially leave their, their tithe at the church I was pastoring and come invested in this new thing. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Even as a church planter in Natchitoches now, we're going on a two-year anniversary of, of having like official worship services of Awakened Church. I never want to do that. I don't want to discredit anybody and try and, try and you know, manipulate people to come here. We're just praying that God would open the doors. And there's some new first-timers here today. Thank you so much for being here. But the thing about that, that made me was it made me really about a year before I really felt like investing in anybody again. And I had these other leaders that I was kind of raising up, and I really took for a year like a step back. And I didn't do it intentionally. I just look at it from hindsight. I look at it and go, I became really cynical. Like everybody's going to do what he did because he did it. It kind of hurt me. Uh, it, it hurt my relationships with others. It hurt my own leadership and my ability to invest in others because I became so cynical because my heart got hurt. We all know what it's like to have our heart hurt, don't we? I mean, what... How do you deal with it when someone ends up hurting your heart? That's the question here. Because we usually kind of are finding our default setting is slip into cynicism and to become cynical. No one sets out to be cynical. And it's really nobody wakes up one day because if you're really cynical, you're kind of a miserable person. And nobody just wakes up and says, I'm just going to be miserable. I'm just going to, you know what? Every, I'm just going to be miserable and I'm going to make everybody else miserable. Nobody just decides that. People are like that, but nobody decides to do that. We find ourselves here, though. We find ourselves at, at cynicism. So what exactly is cynicism, which is a great, uh, we need to understand. It's probably a good idea to get a working definition for our time together. So dictionary.com, I'm just going to take their definition, says cynicism is an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. It's this, 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 uh, just an inclination to believe that everybody, all people, are motivated by self-interest. Like everybody's only out for what's in it for them. Everybody just cares for themselves. So the default bit setting then becomes, well, nobody cares about me, so why should I care? I mean, they're only interested in their thing. Why should I be interested in anything but my thing? That's kind of where cynicism takes us. So Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon. And Solomon, he has this claim to fame, and if you've been in Sunday school or VBS or at church any amount of time, you've probably heard that, so that Solomon is famous was for being the wisest man that ever lived. He got, God said, you can ask for anything, and Solomon says, you, uh, the one thing I want is wisdom. And God said, you're blessed to have this wisdom. But not only was he considered the wisest man that ever lived, he was also the king of Israel. He was also extremely wealthy. He had everything a man could fantasize about. And he had numerous wives and concubines. We actually did a series on Ecclesiastes earlier this year. And we got to talk about all this stuff that, that made King Solomon like this figure of this having everything you could possibly want in life. And yet he comes here and he's just like not happy apparently. Because Ecclesiastes is like, it's kind of a downer, right? <laughs> we, read, we read this like everything's meaningless. Here's a guy who has everything and he says everything's meaningless. If anybody should be optimistic about life... It's Solomon. I mean, he's the king. He's got wisdom. He's got financial security that you can't even imagine. He's got any, any kind of fantasy a man would want. It's available to him. He's got it. And yet, he's not optimistic. And the thing is, most cynics start out as optimists. Most, cynic, most folks who are cynical are former optimists. We start out with, I'm out here just living my best life. Sometimes, some people say it has to do with age. Like when you're younger, then you're just out here, just, you're just 
sowing your wild oats kind of thing. Like, you just, you got this. And there's not a care in the world, not a worry in the world. And as you get older, they say, well, you get cynical as you get older. I'm finding that a lot, because we do have quite a few college students and young adults that are part of Awakened Church that make up the, the church uh, family, is like, cynicism is not just an older person's thing. There's a lot of cynicism in younger folks as well. And here's the thing about this idea is we start out with, like, anything is possible. And you have all this trust and all the love in the world that you have. And then this life starts to happen. And you love them and they broke your heart. And then you, well, try it again. And you loved again and they broke your heart too. And so you, 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 you love your job and they let you go. You, you love your church if somebody hurts your feelings. I mean, this is all part of what cynicism begins to build when we have these, these moments. And no one sets out to be cynical, but we find ourselves there. I know what they're like. I've heard some of these. Unfortunately, I've probably said some of these. All men are dogs. All women cheat. All professors are annoying. <laughs> All bosses are mean. All millennials are entitled. All politicians are liars. All churches just care about his money. We become so cynical. How do we get here? Why are we so cynical? How does it start? Well, cynicism sneaks in through our experiences. It's sneaky. It sneaks in. Cynicism sneaks in through our experiences. I asked Zach, Zach, raise your hand up. Um, we're, I, we do a little sit around my, my kitchen table and eat, eat lunch or dinner and talk and discuss. And Zach and Bree and a few other folks were there a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about cynicism. And um, Zach and Bree, his wife, were sitting there and uh, asked them if I could share their story. And uh, they said, yeah, or at least Bree did. So, Zach, I hope you're okay with this. But they, but they started off in their dating uh, with some trust issues. And in this conversation, we were talking about um, how, you know, you have trust issues a lot of times you have to work through in your relationship. And Bree said, well, that was our problem. We started dating. I was like, well, what are you talking about? Because you guys are really young to be cynical. And uh, she said, well, you know, every, the problem was every girlfriend that Zach had before we started dating cheated on him. So that was a problem for us. And I was like, what was a problem? You, you were cheating on him? I mean, well, she's like, no, no, no. He so just thought I would. He just assumed that I was going to do the same thing I had done before. So that was really difficult for us as we started dating and started to get more intimate and more close to really build a real relationship. And then we just thank God that, you know, God has led them to a place where now they're married and, uh, and, and I mean, expecting their first child in a, in a couple, in a few months. And so it's just like, you know, it's, it's great. But, but it's that cynicism had snuck in there. And Zach was like, he's not in his head now. He was, he was talking about it. He's like, yeah, every girl that I dated cheated on me somehow or another. And it was like, I fully expected Brianna to do the same. And Brianna was like, I just had to just put up with it for a while till he realized I wasn't going to be that way. It's awesome. Have you, how have life experiences shaped how you view life? Because I think that's what we really need to look at. It's like, how have our life experiences shaped how we view life? And maybe let's pull back a little bit and go, how, how can we let God shape that view a little bit better according to what he would have us to do? So let's look back at Ecclesiastes again, just, just because this is, this is <laughs> cynicism is all about. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. He's like, everything, everything. He's like, I've tried everything. He goes on, if you read all of Ecclesiastes, which we did earlier this year, he's like, everything under the sun, it's all meaningless. 
What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go. The earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, and then it comes around again. The wind blows south, the wind blows north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. And the water returns to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. He's like, everything is just so wearisome. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. Nobody's ever satisfied. There's never enough. And he's got everything. He should know. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. Verse 16, it goes on. He says, now, I, I looked at myself and I said, I am wiser than all the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. He's not really bragging. He's just saying what was true. Um, according to the scriptures, we see God gave him this wisdom. He says, I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything I could from wisdom, to madness, to folly. But I learned firsthand. Pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. Now, I've chased a lot of things. I've never chased the wind. I had a dog when we lived in South Florida whose name was Fang. And when Hurricane Wilma came through, the only damage that we really got at our house, and, and I mean, it was, it was a major hurricane, um, was the gate blew off our, our backyard. And when the, the dog went out in the backyard, because he'd been in the house during the, the first part of the first half of the hurricane, and the dog ran out, we didn't know it, because we didn't know the gate was gone. The dogs and the people come knocking on the door, your dog's running down the road, and here's the dog literally chasing wind. This dog is jump, running up and down the road, leaping, biting at wind. Like, like the wind's kind of just blowing a little bit now in the, in, the, in the eye of the storm. And this dog is like chomping at the air, just jumping. I'm like, what in the world is this dog doing? The dog has lost his mind. And we're like that. It's like, it's just like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. It's like Eeyore wrote the Bible. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. <laughs> I'm the king. I'm rich. Everything's meaningless. Thanks for coming. You know, it's just, I mean, that's just the way it reads to me. It's like, it's, it's that cynical. Cynicism is a byproduct, I think, sometimes of knowing too much. Like, we, we just know too much. Because he says right here, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Do we feel that? Does anybody else feel that? It's like the more I understand how things work, the more I'm like, ugh. No. The cynicism grows out of that. I've learned that through education. I've learned that through politics. I've learned that in church, just through life. It's like when you start to understand how things work, it's like, oh, no. No. They say you start off young, dumb, and full of it. So is the key to just stay dumb <laughs> as you get older? I mean, is that the key? I mean, is, is being ignorant the, the key to it? Is your only choice to be a cynic or be a dummy? I hope not, because cynicism kills hope. Cynicism kills hope. And maybe as we get older, we gain knowledge and understanding of how this world works, and we're able to, to step back and go, you know what, some things really matter. <laughs> a lot of other things really don't. A lot of those things that really don't matter have been the things that have caused me to become so cynical. The things that really matter, man, that's where I want to find our focus, find my focus on them, and for you too. Another place cynicism sneaks in through, is through our past failures, through our own past failures. Don't project past failures onto future situations. 
That's what cynicism does to you. You begin to project your past failures on your future situations. Don't do that. You fell in love and it fell apart. I'm just going to close my heart and be done. I'm just done. Cynicism kills relationships. It kills hope. It also kills relationships. So don't allow the hurt from the past to pronounce a death sentence on your future. And here's what happens. Because everything's connected. When you close your heart to people, you close your heart to God. That's why he's, Jesus is telling us like the greatest commandment, love God with all you are. And the second greatest commandment is, is just as equal to the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's just going on. The, you know, I give you a new command. Love one another the way I loved you. He's like, you got to love. You got to even love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. Pray for this Paul who was like persecuting you, Stephen. And I did. And I forgot, forgave him way before he ever asked for it. When you close your heart to people, you close your heart to God. So protect your heart, yes. I'm not saying, you know what, just don't, just don't protect your heart. Get out there. I'll definitely protect your heart. But don't allow your heart to become so hard and closed. Like just shut off. Because when you close your heart, you stop trusting. And you stop hoping. And you stop believing. And, 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 and it's like, well, I've got my reasons to stop believing. If I can quote a 20th century poet, don't stop believing. <laughs> don't stop believing. Here's the thing. Cynicism's a choice. I really believe that. Like, life doesn't make you cynical. You make you cynical. You can't choose what everybody else's actions are and what everybody else's attitude is, but you can choose how you react. You get, we get to choose how we react. We get to choose our actions. I would challenge you to, instead of choosing cynicism, choose gospel. Gospel. Because the gospel is the solution for cynicism. The gospel, and I get, okay, well, gospel, I'm going to do this churchy talk again. Um, gospel literally means good news. Literally, the word gospel means good news. And it's been used to describe what Jesus is all about since the beginning of this movement, since the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection. The word gospel has been used. Good news. And Jesus ushers in hope. That's the gospel. This is the message of the cross in which Jesus died. When everybody else thought God was losing, God was winning. When everybody else thought it was all over, when even his own disciples were like, man, what are we going to do now? God was winning. <laughs> Did somebody say resurrection? That's what this is all about. Amen. The gospel is the solution for cynicism. So what does the, the resurrection of Jesus mean for our cynicism? Well, the resurrection gives, means a lot for us for eternal life, for forgiveness of sin. Shouldn't that have some effect on how we see the world if we're forgiven if we have an abundant life that's full we have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we were created to have and we have eternal life how can we be so cynical I love how Carrie Newhoff puts it in this book I, I talked about um, cynicism me melts under the relentless hope of the gospel cynicism melts under the relentless hope of the gospel that's, a, that's beautiful that's so good I this is the message of the gospel. This is it. Basically, the gospel says, where we see death, God sees life. Where we see frustration, God sees hope. And where we see cynicism, God sees trust. That's gospel. The gospel is you can hope again. You can trust again. You can believe again. That's what the message of Jesus is. You can live 
again. So when you've had your heart broken, and you know it could be broken again, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. That's my story too. I mean, my heart was broken and shattered before I gave it to my wife, Shelly. It was worth the risk. Here we are 29 years later married. It was so worth the risk. Three awesome kids. Well, one man and two kids. <laughs> it's so worth the risk. You can hope again. You can live again. You can trust again. Because you realize something. Most people aren't going to break your heart. They're not. Most people aren't going to stab you in the back. Most people aren't going to like just take all the things you invest in them and go try and stab you in the back. Most people aren't going to do that. It's going to hurt when one does. But most people aren't going to do that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 kind of gives us this solution. It says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. This same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. This is the same power within us. And it's within you, it's within me. And if that is true, Christians should be the most optimistic and hopeful people on the planet. I'm not saying, well, we, we don't have bad days and we're not allowed to complain. Trust me, if you, you guys that know me, you've heard me complain about some things. It's, that's, that's part of it. But I'm optimistic and hopeful. And I believe, I mean, this is pretty clear. If you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead within you, man, isn't anything possible? Can't it, can't it be possible that you can trust your heart to others again? Your heart can live again even after it died. That's the good news. Is it time for you to live again? That's the question. Every heart, no matter how broken, can learn to trust, hope, and live again. What's the next step for you? And that's one of our at Awaken We man. We wanna we wanna be practical enough to say here, let's suggest how we might live this out. And I believe that you're creative enough, and God is definitely able to speak to you without using my voice to give you how you could take a next step. The challenge is to take a step to say, what is that? I would encourage you to be curious. Make your next step to be curious. Wonder. Ask questions. Be, be someone who is like, like, I don't have it all figured out. That's it. Because that kills cynicism. I've heard it said that, that the cynical are never curious and the curious are never cynical. It's having this idea, I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm, I'm curious enough to seek maybe somebody else. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe the scripture will give it to me. So a couple of steps you could take as you be curious. Schedule time to think. I have to. I know this kind of sounds weird. Some people schedule time to think. It doesn't make any sense. I'm thinking all the time. Well, so am I. But I'm not thinking, thinking. I have to put a schedule. Maybe it's five minutes one day and ten another or whatever because my life's crazy just like yours. 
But, but if I don't schedule it, I don't. I don't clear my brain and my mind and just think about the things of God. Ask open-ended questions. A lot of times we, we don't ask open-ended questions because we feel like we already got the answers. We're not really, when we get into conversations a lot of time, we don't ask questions because we just want to share our side of the story and we're not really that interested in the other person's. Ask open-ended questions. Listen more than you talk. And dream more. I would encourage you to dream more. Don't let cynicism kill your dreams. Your dreams for your life, your dreams for your family, your dreams for this community, your dreams for this church, your, your dreams. I had a lot of conversations with folks like, man, I just, I just dream that Natchitoches could be different. I'm like, what, are, what is it like when you dream about it? Uh... Well, you know, just different. <laughs> no, no, no. Dream. Really dream. Dream about a, a, a community where churches work together as one church <laughs> and served each other and served the community. A community where if somebody was a different color or a different background or different from a different country, that they, could, they would feel like they belonged here. I mean, that's my dream. I believe that's that's I believe that's a kingdom dream, because I believe when I look at I look at God's kingdom, the reality of it, it's very multicolored, multicultured. It's the kingdom of God, and I'm just not quite cynical enough to think like I was told. There can't be multicultural churches in Natchitoches. I was told that by a couple of different people who probably kind of you think know what they're talking about. I'm just not cynical enough to believe that. I believe in Scripture. I believe in the King. I believe in the Gospel. And I want to stand with the Gospel. And I invite you guys to stand with the Gospel with me. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your Gospel is good news. That you bring hope and joy and love. We can believe again. Because you bring resurrection. Lord, you bring resurrection to relationships. You bring resurrection to broken hearts. You bring resurrection to broken families. You bring resurrection to broken finances. You bring resurrection to broken spirits. You bring resurrection, Lord, to, to, to us when we're just broken. This is good news. Because resurrection means new life, abundant, full, and eternal. So fill us with that resurrection power. Not just the knowledge of it, but the reality of it. So that we can live out your word and, and, and not be so cynical. That we'll, we'll let, allow you, God, and your power, the same power within us that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, to overpower that, that, that human propensity we have to just be cynical. But Lord, that we would walk in your love and your hope and that we would love each other the way you love us. And Lord, we would never go cynical towards you. That we would always believe that we have a God who can do anything. And we'll walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.